0: By Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. Take a moment here, Montreal Canadiens fans, and think back to this time last season. Can you imagine a game like this happening? Not only with the Montreal Canadiens defeating a team like the St. Louis Blues, who has some high-end talent, plays a physical game, and you know, scoring seven goals, all that but playing run and gun hockey up until essentially the final whistle and you never know what's going to happen because they're risking it all at all moments that was insane absolutely fantastic game we've got a great show for you tonight we're going to talk about Dvorak unleashed Cole Caulfield doing his Cole Caulfield thing scoring two tonight Slavkovsky getting the power play rolling And all sorts of other stuff. David Savard, Heroic Defensively. I've got Laurie Bennett with me here tonight, who I know is a fan favorite for everybody who watches this show because she is amazing. But first, I got to tell you about our sponsor. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Football continues. The World Series is happening right now, and they've dropped the puck on the hockey season. We're well into the first month now. Bet pregame live in play or on one of our many prop bets. Like, for example, the prop bet for uh, Cole Caulfield outscoring Austin Matthews this year. I believe last time we checked in, it was at 6.26 to 1 in favor of, uh, like, that's what your payout would be if you bet Caulfield. Well, the score is 7 to 2 currently as we approach the end of October. So I wonder if those odds have changed. We might try to check that uh, while we're talking with Lori here. But uh, join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And as always, if you or anyone in your family or your loved ones has an addiction to gambling or needs help breaking away, there are resources available in the description of this video. So please check them out. All right, everyone, let's welcome in our guest, Lori Bennett. Lori, how's it going?
1: Going well. It's uh, a lot funner to watch hockey right now than it was last year. This time, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's really not even a comparison. Like it, different teams. It Completely totally different, different teams. teams. Yeah. And there's been some turnover in personnel, right? But it's very clearly from management to coaching all the way down. There's a different attitude. Players for are sure. allowed to have fun now and take risks. You know, I mentioned off the top. The way that the Canadians played to the end of the period, and you know, you know, uh, dueling breakaways with five minutes left, uh, absolutely wild. But what struck out to or what uh, stuck out the most to me was Nick Suzuki, who had a incredible game
1: after he was a couple fantastic, of,
0: yeah, after a couple of not so great games I found where he was really forcing things tonight. He looked like peak Nick Suzuki, but Nick Suzuki, I think, with like two minutes left. He like pinched hard at the offensive blue line and created a turnover that almost created like a Caulfield in the slot, all alone chance. Those ones that they seem to be able to create all the time by that, that kind of play, but just, there was no backing off. And I love it.
1: Yeah. It's a totally different, uh, different team. Yes. New personnel for sure. But even, even the personnel they chose are personnel that previous leadership would not have chosen or would not have made happen. And uh, it's, a, it's a change in thinking from top to bottom. Uh, and, and watching Suzuki and Caulfield, um, you know, ascend while that change in thinking is happening is uh, is pretty fine stuff.
0: Yeah, it is incredible. And, you know, my analogy that I keep on hammering home all year this year is the two of them are like two little sharks in a feeding frenzy when they're really going and they just every mistake in the offensive zone that an opponent makes, they are on that puck so quickly. And like Caulfield's yeah. first goal, it, like he smells blood in the water and he, he's there every yeah. time, you know? And, they, and I, they, yeah. I love the it. The effort from, uh, from
1: Suzuki to make that first goal happen was yes. uh, just like that. It was like – that because they were out of the game at that point. Like they yep. were – that's when it was 3-1. They were kind of out of the game. And it was like Suzuki was not – not going to be denied on it, and Caulfield's ready to nail it home every time. He'll shoot. I swear to God, he will shoot from bench if the puck came anywhere near him. He just he loves to shoot, and he's he can miss twelve, and it's not going to stop him from shooting thirteen. And and then he's rewarded. It's uh, the confidence on the shot is is brilliant. He's,
0: he's just so get- much fun to watch. He's going to get like checked through the Zamboni door one day and then like his skates will be (laughs) off the rink and he'll shoot from there and somehow bank it in off a goalie or something.
1: Totally. He'll shoot from anywhere and it's, it's a
0: fun thing to watch. Yeah. Aaron Jolie from the chat says Savard had a really good game too. I completely agree. I don't know if the analytics will back that up because, you know, with a a play style like Savard has, it's hard to have great analytics games and most of his contributions are in his own zone but I thought that he was incredibly astute in his defensive zone, both with his stick and his body breaking up chances like crazy. I just thought yeah. it was as good as you could possibly want David Savard. He
1: start. he made a fantastic uh, play at the end when it was 6-4. Uh, that could have changed the whole... Like, it could have made it dicey at the end, but he broke up a play there. That was nice, but he was strong all game. I thought Gooey had actually... Uh, not his best game. Like we've yep. seen Gouley have have better games than he played tonight. Uh, and, and I thought so before that bad giveaway, but uh, but Savard was solid um, and, and, and two of them together have looked good. It's, uh, and it's hard to say who's helping who more, I guess, but uh, but they've looked good together and that's it's working.
0: Yeah. Noel asks, how long did it take for last year's Canadians to win two in a row? It wasn't until the coaching change. I know that.
1: Yeah. Like, that was the
0: <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. So feel free to look that up. I think I think didn't they win? They lost the first three or four under St. Louis, I believe. And they were like tighter yeah, games. Did. Yeah. They did. And then they went on like a three-game win streak, I think. So if anyone wants to look that up who's in the chat, feel free to. And by the way, if you're enjoying the show, of course, please like the the video. It helps us grow. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. And hey, if you're having fun hanging out here, so would a lot of your friends, right? So why don't you share the show on your socials right now and uh, get us out there so people know that we're on and, you know, tell your friends about it. You know, after the show's over, while the show's on, if you like talking about the Montreal Canadians, this is the show for you. So get us out there, help us grow. But uh, obviously, Caulfield and Suzuki, there's a lot of questions about them in the chat. Uh, I forget who... Uh, posted it i just missed it there but they asked compared to other teams how does uh, caulfield and suzuki's percentage of total team goals compare oh god it's got to yeah, be pretty high it's got to be pretty high dvorak helped knock it down a little bit there at the end
1: yeah there was a little because <laughs> everybody was expecting the hat trick to come from dvorak tonight <laughs>
0: that's, yep. who, that's
1: who i would have picked
0: <laughs> well, i was ripping him um, in the second period
1: <laughs> yeah, he had a, fun, it's funny, he had a few rough moments before he, uh, yeah, the goal that sent him up 3-1, I think, was completely on him, uh, and then I guess he redeemed himself a little bit. I thought that line has been looking good, though. I yes. like that that trio. I, I like that combination. Uh, it's the best we've seen Anderson is on that line with, with Dvorak and Gallagher,
0: so. 100%. Um,
1: yeah. He's had some interesting lines, but you can't you can't knock them. They've worked.
0: <laughs> you yeah. know, you look
1: at the lines and go, eh. Uh, and then then it's worked. He's pulling the best out of you know, a crew of a crew of veterans that you don't know if they're even gonna be here. How much longer are gonna be here? But he's he's finding a way to
0: shift and move them around and good for him. What's yeah, it? I actually, I got a couple of direct messages directly after the game that were like, trade Dvorak right now. <laughs> like while his value's high. I mean, I'm sure eventually he will be traded just because his contract is digestible and is bad yeah. as the start to the season has been for him from a point production standpoint up to now. I feel like he's done good things in recent games. Like the, Like you said, last game, I think this line was their best line. The, his first goal tonight, I feel like he's done that slot line pass to a teammate who hasn't put it home like five um, or six times in the last week
1: for sure for sure he he's uh there were several actually there were several passes tonight that uh just didn't connect when they were losing there were there were several excellent passes there was uh monaghan i think it was lined up the perfect pass for uh for uh, for um Hoffman that he didn't finish. Uh, I'm not saying this to get everybody started on the Hoffman train tonight, but uh, but the, there were there were two or three uh, perfect passes that just nobody nobody home. Uh, but yeah, it was actually uh, there was a really pretty pass to I think Dvorak to Gallagher, and he, he it was right in the in front of that he just tipped it wide. But uh, certainly passes that could have been goals and. Would have had them on the board uh, di- earlier and differently, but it all works out in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, the the Mon- the Hoffman miss on the Monahan pass, which was such a gorgeous play by my, by uh, Monahan yeah. to hold that puck and then still find a way to outweight the the defender and and slip it around them. Incredible play. That makes me think that maybe Hoffman is just cursed, and it's not not even just about skill because <laughs> like he's got to be able to hit that one
1: yeah hard. he i i to me he looks a little bit frantic uh yeah there were a few games where he looked to me there were a few games where he, re, where he was trying too hard and every, i know a lot of people are saying that you know he's useless he's not you know he's not doing anything out there i like i, I don't know if i've seen a game where i thought he wasn't working uh where he wasn't trying to, to get on the board i mean his he's poorly placed where he is on the, on the power play for sure that's not his doing um you know they're playing him out of position really in my view where they're where they're putting him uh, on the on the power play there he belongs on the right circle but um but i thought he you know in every game i've seen effort um whether that's been very effective or not is a different story but uh, but yeah to me he looks he looks a little bit frantic probably a little bit worried about how he's faring in this team but
0: yeah uh, already seems to like him. So we'll see. He either seems to like him or he's very desperate to get him going. One of the <laughs> two, right? I will say, I thought Hoffman had some good defensive plays in the third period tonight. I thought that he, he, for a guy who has nothing going, he does still yeah. seem to have a few plays every game where like, Oh, that's a, that's a nice little play, you know, a nice little takeaway, the defensive blue line, that kind of stuff that it's something to build on for him. But uh, offensively, it's just not happening. I will say, though, the power play did look better with him at the top there uh, of the first unit instead of Chris Weidman. But it ended up being the second unit that got the first goal. Uh, We got several requests to talk about the power play finally getting it done. Who would have guessed that the guy to get it done, to get it started, would be Yuri Slavkovsky?
1: um uh, nice to see him get a chance uh I, I don't know if anyone else caught it and i fully intend to rewind and have a look at it again but there was there was a moment on the the first power play where they the one where they scored where the pass went back to the point and it was hoffman and he bobbled it, bobbled it and went in the zone and i don't know if it was anderson or um uh, or doc there was a seven <laughs> but it, I, I don't know who it was that made the pass back but when Hoffman bobbled it. There was just sort of a like a you know a frustrated moment, uh, and you know I I don't know uh, like I, I got to watch it again, but it struck like it seemed to me afterwards that they were determined not to let it go back to the point. They were driving down toward the uh, toward the net, and uh, and you know the, the goal eventually came. But yeah, it's just uh, you know I I think I think the power play is. Uh, I, I think Hoffman's a good option for the power play. It's where if he's not bringing on the power play, that's not that's that's been his bread and butter. I don't love the placement of him where he is. No, but,
0: no. But, I think uh, it puts a lot of know, defensive pressure on him, right? Which is absolutely not and what you want him thinking it's about. Not his bag. No. Uh, you and, don't want him Weidman, trying to hold the blue line. Why? You know, Weidman has been uh,
1: Weidman's issue is that he's no threat to sh- shoot whatsoever. And every, and it's completely predictable what he's doing from from that spot. Uh, so it you know it kind of renders the whole you know it, it, he. What is it they say? The grand equalizer is the guy who's on the power play who is never going to shoot right. So, uh, and that's that's been Weidman. So, I'd like to see Harris get a go there, but
0: I'm not sure they're
1: going to give that to a kid just yet. But uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, especially Harris on. Uh... Which goal was it? Was it Suzuki's goal? Suzuki's goal. Yeah. You can see, right? Like that's the kind of thing that you want to happen on a power play. Quick decision-making, cut to the middle, get that shot off in a way that can be tipped. You know, it's little stuff like that. He does it every game.
1: You know, Every game he manages to get a puck through Mm -hmm. that won't be a strong shot. It's not blazing into a top corner or anything. Nobody's limping off because they blocked Harris's shot. But he gets it through, and, uh, you know, like, it always used to amuse me. I'm not going to go Sh- into uh, Shea Weber uh, <laughs> annoyance. But everyone would talk about, oh, the poor guy limping off because he took a Shea Weber shot. Well, yeah, it's lovely, but we're not into breaking shin pads. We're, we're into turning the red light on. And, and Harris has a way of getting the puck through. You know, a Monahan goal earlier in the season was directly from Harris just getting the puck through. And uh, easy rebound, and, and it went. Um, and and I that's essential for where they are. Um, they they've got no one that's going to be the big blast from the power from the point right now. So they need someone to just get it through and create some chaos in front of the net. And I, I think that's Harris. To be honest, I think that's the best option there right now.
0: I think so too. And actually, Jordan Harris is the co lead for all rookies and shots on goal this year. Obviously, he has no goals, but it's, he's still putting the puck on net and he's getting, getting it in there. He's getting that puck through. He's getting it in areas where it can be tipped. The other guy c- continues to get some good chances and hasn't scored yet from the back end. Not that I think he should be on the power play. We've got some questions about him in the chat. Uh, Kovacevic. Oh, Again. Uh, he's, he's, he's been a bit of a revelation. <laughs> yeah, like he, I, when he pinches, he pinches with authority, he just hasn't he been does. able to put it home.
1: Yeah. He's, uh, I thought he's like him and Harris together have been strong. Um, you know I wondered I wondered about the pickup I wondered if you know were they actually you know uh, Hughes was talking forever about waiting for the right options they believed that there would be some guys become available on waivers and then they they go with this guy and I thought is this who they've been waiting for is it just you know nothing else has happened but now it you look at it and go, "Well, it was a pretty good call." It's uh, he, he's performing as good as you'd expect a waiver wire pickup to play. That's for sure. So it's uh, he's been
0: he's been good. Yeah, he's been go back there. As good as you could imagine for for a waiver claim, right? Like, yeah, you couldn't ask for better. Um, there was a a question here, or not a question so much as somebody pointing it out that we know who the power play quarterback is going to be in a couple of years, and that's going to be Lane Hudson. You know, uh, as much as you don't want to put that pressure on a kid who's still growing, looking what he is doing in the NCA yeah. today, like, as much as this game was incredible, this this is a great night for the Montreal Canadiens. Their prospects, again, having great yeah. nights. Lane Hudson, two goals tonight, as pointed out by rock I didn't see that he also scored the OT goal. Uh, he tied the game in the last couple of minutes, then scored the OT winner. Like, this kid has ice in his veins. He's so slick with the puck. He's going yeah. to be incredible. Like you look at people who project prospects for a living, using data analysis and the guys that he compares to are ridiculous. Like I talked to a lot of scouts and like, like what is the expectation for Lane Hudson to do this year in the NCAA? And they were all saying like, Oh, well, if he can match Quinn Hughes, first year in the NCAA, that's perfect. And he's already on pace to just blitz that he's over a point per game as a, as an 18 year old. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, certainly that's, that's who we all hope will be quarterbacking in a couple of years. Maybe Could it be as early as next year. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, but I I think the other reality for the power play is that I, I think they expect that Madison is going to be the quarterback in, in six weeks, <laughs> you know, not in. Yeah not in two years been six weeks. And I suspect that's why they're not, I think they're just clinging on with the guys that are there rather than putting the kid in a difficult position. Um, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. And even if Matheson isn't, you know, uh super dynamic with the puck they're like he has the skating ability that I feel like, yeah, that's one thing that really limits Wideman. I feel like he does have some level of uh, offensive creativity when he's allowed to take more risks, but, he doesn't have the like lateral mobility that a guy who's a great skater like Matheson does. And that should help the power play quite a bit, but they uh, like, there's other issues too, like overpassing and yeah, is not moving enough, but that seems to be a constant issue for the Montreal Canadiens. We'll see if they can sort it out down the stretch here. Uh, Aaron Jolie says, or asks when Matheson or Edmondson come back, who sits out Kovacevic? I've seen, like, I talked to Stu Cowan and Rick Green for the uh, Habs Inside Out show every week. And both of them last, like, this week when we talked on Wednesday, were all in on Kovacevic sitting out. And I think that's wild. The first guy to sit out to me would be Weidman because he has a major function as the power play guy, but he's not getting that done. And as soon as someone else comes in and they can elevate someone else there, that it isn't necessarily a downgrade. I think he's going to sit out and he's also a guy that won't get upset by being sat out.
1: That is the beauty of Weidman. And that's why he's so valuable as a veteran that he's, he knows why he's there. He's not going to have a hissy fit. If he sits a few, Um, he'll be, he'll come right back in. If someone's injured, if a kid needs a break, he'll come back in for me. That's, uh, you know, uh, for me, uh, it's, I, I've not been quite sure about, uh, you know, Hughes talking about still looking to find a right-handed defenseman when one of the, you know, Edmondson has been touted as the right-handed D, right? The guy who can, well, the left, left-handed, left but can play both sides. Uh, and he's the veteran. Uh, for me, you know, with with Edmondson coming back and Matson not too far away uh, and the team performing way better than anyone thought they would. Um, yeah, for me, I'm, I, I'm not sh- Unless they can make a serious upgrade on, on the on the right side I'm not sure anymore about the merits of it I think what they've got is is performing fine and let it let it let it play out until some guys get healthy and then see what you got yeah uh, but yeah I, I'd bring I'd bring Edmondson in to play right side with uh with jack eye and let it roll or or you know or drop uh Kovacavik to play with jack eye but Weidman would be my guy sitting if it was up to me
0: Yeah, I think it just makes the most sense from many standpoints. And I feel like all these rookies, you know, you go into a season with four rookies on defense, you think, man, this is going to be a mess. And there have been times where it's gotten a little bit like hairy, but, you know, with Matheson coming back, you know that you're not going to have to expose Savard as much, right? Matheson's going to take those top end minutes, not going to have to expose Gouley as much. So that helps. And the rookies have just been so solid. From so many different angles, right? Like yeah. even Jacki, who I think is the weakest defensively of the group, it's like his weakness defensively is all little stuff, right? Like attention to details. When he gets back on the back check, have your stick in the right spot, right? You can't always yeah. play the body. Sometimes you've got to play the puck, and that stuff. I feel like he's going to learn just by getting more reps. So you don't really want to sit him either.
1: Yeah, you know, if they're if it's Jacki, they're sitting. I hope they're just sitting in the valve and letting them play. Uh, you know, I I can see the merit of him spending some time in Laval. I don't think it's essential for him to go. I don't think it is for any of them, which is actually shocking. Um, You know, I I know the big plan was to be rotating them them in and out of Laval to let them learn bits and pieces. Uh, But I don't see a rush for any of them to go. Uh, But if it's it's Jack either looking at sitting, I I hope they just let him go to Laval and let him, play top minutes and uh, let him continue to develop. He is the, the shock of the group for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And for, for those saying that uh, what Laurie just said, essentially the, the idea is that you could send guys down to Laval and and let them work on specific skills. Yeah. Uh, Trizak mentioned Jordan Harris. I don't think Jordan Harris is going to see any AHL time. Like I could be wrong. I could definitely I think... be wrong. He could hit a rough patch, but he yeah, just he is another level from last year. For me, uh, this is going to be
1: controversial, but and and it needs a little bit of explanation. But but for me, I think Jordan Harris is the readiest. Yeah, and I, I know that that's probably you know everyone's going to say, "Oh, Gooley the better player. Gooley has the higher ceiling. Uh going to be a better defenseman than Harris." But for me, Harris is the guy who's readiest to play the role that he will play for the long haul. He's not going to be a top pair defenseman. He's you know he's he's going to be your four or five guy. And to me, he's readiest to fill that role right now. I don't think sending him to Laval is going to turn him into a two, three. He's, he's going to be what he is. And I think he's the guy that's readiest to be there. And and uh, yeah, but he's the one for me that there's least logic in, in sending him down. And I, the, the piece for Gouley that I was wondering about was, would he be better off playing, you know, going to Laval, playing top pair with with Baron and the two of them developing together. And, you know, in all situations, you know, it, and dominating there, but he's he's playing so much in Montreal and and managing and doing doing well that even that idea doesn't seem like it's necessary at this point. At at this point, uh, it's but one I, of those situations Harris that Bergevin right.
0: would have dreamed of, right? Because he was always talking about how he yeah. wanted the kids to force him into making a move, right? The kids are going to force Kent Hughes into making a move on defense, because oh, I for just, sure, I don't foresee a scenario where all of Weidman. Co- uh, Edmondson, Savard, and Matheson are in the lineup unless there are injuries to these kids. Like they're they're just showing yeah. too well. And I I love your point about Harris being most ready for what he's going to be, and maybe Gouli being the one who gets sent down. And it's not about Gouli struggling, right? It's just about no, getting it's... him those top end minutes that he's going no to play what in the NHL. Is.
1: And development, you know, I had this conversation mm-hmm. with a buddy a while ago, but, you know, I, I don't know if we all talk about the same thing. We're, we're not developing kids to play in the NHL. We're developing kids to reach their ceiling. And Gouley is 100% ready to be in that NHL. Uh, but is he ready? Like, is there something that he can get from Laval? And I don't know if, don't know if, there, if he, there is or not. Like, I'm not arguing for go to Laval. But for me, the question about Laval or, or NHL for him is, is there a ceiling that he can reach where Laval is, is a logical stepping stone for him mm-hmm. to get there? Uh, because we know he's he's probably the defenseman right now with the highest ceiling. And so, you know, is there something in Laval that can be learned? I don't like for, for me, um, you know, I think he's a ways away from his ceiling. He's 100% gonna survive in the NHL today, and without without ever seeing Laval. But uh, but I still think that his ceiling is much higher than it is right now. And, I totally agree. You know, yeah.
0: Yeah, I totally so, get what you're putting yeah. down there, Lori. Yeah. I, it I th- I hope everyone else is getting it too because I think it's uh, it's quite nuanced and, and quite intelligent. Um I do want to talk about Cole Caulfield's second goal cuz can we talk about that Nick Suzuki pass? I know Wait, he's been <laughs> looking for it all season, but wow.
1: Everybody knew that pass was coming. <laughs> Everybody knew what he was doing. Like, everybody knew that, yeah, he would shoot if there was no pass, but everybody knew he was looking for Caulfield. And still, he managed to find the hole and get it there. And uh, he, yeah, he's just, you know, Caulfield, I think Caulfield is going to score more goals than Matthews this year. That I, you know. <laughs> Well, and for me, it comes down to one thing and I'm not to get into a conversation about the leaks, but maybe Matthews will get back on track if they fire Keith quickly, but uh, that'll get a conversation going for sure. But, uh, but, you know, I, I certainly he's going to be at competing with Matthews and a few others for the top of the league. He's he's phenomenal and he he's finding a way and Suzuki is finding a way even when the team is bad even when they're not winning in the games, they're not winning those two have managed to, uh, to find a way and, and certainly teams will adjust to them and everything else. But these two are going to be really strong. I liked Kirby doc on that line. Yes. Uh, I I don't know if that's going to stick, but I think that might be the combination that has a lot of potential to work there. So
0: um, yeah. Kirby, Kirby doc adds that extra layer of like puck protection and uh, like ability defensively. Yeah. Insulates them a little bit. Yeah. You know, he's got a bit of And smart enough to play with them. Yeah.
1: You know, he's smart enough to play with them, can anticipate with them and uh, brings a little bit of defensive awareness that they don't necessarily thrive in. Uh, But uh, yeah, if that, if that trio can work, that could be a real, that can be a top line that the Habs haven't had in a very long time.
0: Yeah. And it's been a big, you know, story through this season so far that, that Suzuki Caulfield combo have been scoring. Sorry, but their underlying numbers have been in the garbage, yep. heap, right? And, you yep. know, I don't really worry too much about that for them right now because I know that what they're being asked to do is very difficult. They're playing top yep. line matchup minutes on a team that nobody else is scoring. So every team knows they have to check them. They're still managing to yep. find ways to score, even without the power play exactly. functioning until this point. So, it's it's like you have to put in context what those numbers mean but tonight with kirby Doc, they were the best line by the underlying yep. numbers so i would keep them together
1: <laughs> yeah i mean everyone you know at the draft when uh when the big trade happened for kirby Doc, like you know lots of conversation about you know but he's, he's not like, I don't think he's a winger. What if he, or sorry, a center? What if he, what if he's only a, a winger? You know what? What if he is a winger? What if he's the winger that completes that line? Then mm-hmm. are you happy with that deal?
0: Are you missing Romanov right now? Um,
1: <laughs> I feel you know, like
0: the emergence <clears throat> of Jack guy has completely erased all memory of Romanov. Like, I is know he anybody had the big talking hits, about it? But- no, I have yeah. not heard him like any talk about him. And I remember people nope. being a little bit upset at the time that he was traded. Like, obviously, they were excited because it's the draft <laughs> and you want to get a big player or whatever. But there are some people who were a little bit upset about losing Alex Romanov. Uh, I have not heard his name this season.
1: I have the best story for that. When I was at the draft, there was a young fellow sitting in front of me. He was probably like 20. And he's,
0: <laughs> he was wearing
1: a Romanov jersey oh, no. and a hat that, that Romanov had signed. And when the trade was announced, his face was just, he just froze. And it was like, (laughs) so we were all, we were all kind of stunned and, you know, it was all very exciting, but this guy was just like, (laughs) he he was like, and I reached out and kind of shook him. (laughs) And I'm like, it's going to be all right. (laughs) He was, he was just so shook. Um, and later in the evening, he had taken his jersey off. He was still wearing his hat. <laughs> he had taken the oh. off. Yeah, poor guy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, people were pretty stunned by it, and lots of talk about whether he's a center or not. I, you know, I'm not sure. In 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 here, here's a big thought. In in Marty's world, does he give a shit who's center? That, Probably like, not. <laughs> he's playing five forwards on. On the power play. When was that happening in Montreal last? Like, you know, we're like, you know, everyone talks about the next the next big shift in hockey, in NHL hockey, will be this positionless play. Doesn't matter if Kirby Dock is playing center, if he's a, play mat, a playmaker who is, you know, can transition the puck, something the Habs have so little of, and finish and has good offensive awareness and has hockey smarts doesn't who cares who cares how he lines up when you write their names down for your game sheet um yeah that's that's my big soapbox for Kirby Doc but um and they've got some centers in development now so might not be a big deal
0: yeah and who knows what happens this year right I know that they're getting the wins right now but this is still a team that could get one or maybe two very very good players at the top end of the draft this year depending on what happens with Florida you know Eck right out. Paul Maurice is not a great coach, you know. So there's they're, there's lots of things that could happen down the stretch here.
1: They, they're struggling with injuries, and they're you know they freaked out a little bit after the exit in last year's playoffs. Wouldn't it be funny if they won the lottery on on a Florida playoff miss?
0: Oh my god! <laughs> that would make the the charate trade, the best trade.
1: Oh my god.
0: In, well like, and since the LaFleur trade, like the trade for the pick for LaFleur.
1: Yeah, I mean that would be enormous, right? But I mean that's a bit of a dream. I, I I joke and say that my dream is that the Habs make the playoffs, eliminate the leafs in the first round, and win the lottery on Florida's miss. Oh but my god. that <laughs> but you know they're they're gonna have uh you know, they're like my 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 other prediction is that their third first round pick is coming from a, an Edmondson trade at the deadline, yeah. Uh, and and you know, so that's um, for me that's that's the logical that's the logical other third other uh, first round pick. But um, who knows what happens in this draft? But they you know they've got back in development. He's looking fantastic in the OHL. Where does uh, Mishar end up playing? Is he is he Gonna be a center? Is it gonna be a winger? Who knows? Um, so, yeah, there's there's lots of good things happening, and these guys managed to pull off two centers in in a summer. I'm not that worried about positions right now. Like skills coming in, um, we'll let it get sorted.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that I kind of keep pushing as well. Is even if the Canadians don't get into like the top three or four spots in this upcoming draft, remember that the, the assets the Hughes has accumulated and yeah. remember how much he was moving and shaking at last year's draft. And I don't think that was just a, an attempt to create headlines because it was in Montreal. I think this management team is incredibly aggressive and they're, they're aggressive, not afraid and to sacrifice smart. a ton yep. of assets. If they think they can move up and grab a guy like Redard right. or Fantilli. Right on. Uh, and the draft is deep. I mean, there's,
1: there's, uh, there's, there's, you know the talk is that anything in the top 10 i think they're picking top 10 either because they that's where they land or they package their picks or uh, pick some players and and pick in the top 10 i i I think they're going to leave the draft with a strong player there's some strong centers in this group i i don't think we need to be too worried about positions right now and just let it play out but um it, it it'd be a pretty dicey time to be a veteran, I think, <laughs> in Montreal. Like, you know, wondering where your where your spot is for the long term, long term, because this team's getting young fast.
0: Um, this is true. Yeah, you know, there's uh, yeah, Rock Smash in the chat is mentioning uh, uh, Wa, Mishar, Beck, Harvey Penard, and Yelonin are all forward prospects who should be knocking on the door soon. I think Waz a bit further away. Just talking to yeah. scouts, uh, he has some work to do on his game that we'll look at this year. Obviously, because he again he's just destroying the QMJHL. Yeah,
1: like,
0: it's not even hard for him, but he has some work to do with uh, using his teammates a bit more. But I would not be surprised whatsoever if Beck uh, makes the team next year, and I think Yolonen yeah. will make this team after the deadline.
1: Probably true, depending on how many how how many guys they can move. Um, you know, he's, he's ready now, really Mm -hmm. like, you know, is, is there anything, there's a couple of guys in the lineup, are they doing more than, than Ilona would be doing if he was there? I don't think so. Um, but you know, there's like 72 forwards right now. That's why he's sitting where he's sitting, but, um, yeah, there's some solid talent that's, that's coming up and, and they're at the halves of the luxury to actually let these kids develop Right now, like they, that's, that's where they are. They can let some kids develop and come ready. So it's a nice, nice thing.
0: Nice position to be in after the last several years, right? You can see the future happening. I'm trying to zoom in here. I forget the name of the player. Somebody asked if the Canadians have a, uh, any goaltenders of the future in the organization. Now, if you were here for uh, when, I think it was Aaron Idovich, who is here. It might have been Mitch Brown as well, Uh, talking about the Canadians. There's a goaltender they drafted, I believe, in 2020. So let me just queue up the 2020 NHL draft on HockeyDB and find the guy. But uh, he is playing in Ohio State uh, in the NCAA. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Jakob Dobbs. And last year, he played 35 games, put up a 934 save percentage and this year in nine games so far, so clearly the starter has a 9.23. I mean, he must have had a rough game because he was at 9.32 the other day. But uh, obviously not at the, like, Devin Levi level of goaltender, but a guy that several people now have pointed out as someone to watch over the next little while. And if, if like, Jeff Gordon's track record is something to go by, he finds good goalies. Like, the Rangers have consistently pulled... Gr- really excellent goaltending prospects. prospects out of nowhere, even while they had Lundquist. Yeah.
1: I don't think there's a rush for them to find a goalie at this point. Um, no. I, I don't think they're too worried about it. I think they're content to let Allen and Montembeau run with it until, until they're ready. And then, and then, like you said, they'll find, they'll find the guy, um, whether they draft someone this year or, uh, or, or, I'm not as a, a lot of folks think that they'll they'll focus on a goalie at the draft. Maybe uh, it's, it's possible, I guess, but I, I can see them probably going with a previously drafted goalie and and uh, try to pick them up from another team. Yeah, there's a couple and, of there's a couple of teams for sure that have goalies. Like you know, I look at uh, that guy Wolf in Calgary. Uh, they have you know they have a fair amount of depth in net. Uh, Nashville has some depth. I wonder if they could drag Asperov out of there. Doubtful. But, uh, you know, I, I, I can see them going after someone else's pickings at some point, but
0: we'll see. And that's that's something that uh, Hughes hasn't been shy about, right? We just saw another trade with the Chicago Blackhawks. that uh, yeah. Picking up Bodin, a former first-round pick, needed a change of scenery. He's betting small amounts, right? Uh, yeah. But he's putting little bets on a lot of somewhat formerly highly touted players who they think they can work with and develop within the organization who are in that like 20 to 22 range. Yeah. I, I just, I love that idea. Right. Is like, let's bring these guys in, see if any of them can hit already. I feel like Kirby doc is better than he showed at any point with the Blackhawks outside of sure. the first little stretch he had before he got sent down to the world juniors and injured. So yeah,
1: right. I, <laughs> I know that lots of I know there's been lots of talk in Montreal about Kirby Doc and and, and I'm not sure what's driving that. I thought he's played well. Yeah. Um, he, he hasn't, it, you know, it's not shown on the score sheet, but I I think he's played well. And he's there's been a fair amount of experimentation with him, right? Like with with Monahan, without Monahan on the wing on at center, and that's where this team is right now. They're going to be shaking shit up and trying to see where people fit best. And will he stay with? Suzuki and Caulfield probably for a few games and then he'll probably look at something else and that's all right. But, uh, but I think they've, I think they've already proven the deal to, to have worked, to be honest, uh, unless he regresses. I don't, and I don't think that's happening. So it's, uh, yeah, that, that whole approach they're taking of, you know, seeing what someone else has got. I, I, I like Emil Heinemann. I thought he had a great camp.
0: Um, so did I, Yeah, he was great. (laughs)
1: And, you know, and that's not even, that's not even the prize in that trade. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a guy that I can see finishing a line nicely. I could see him finishing even the Caulfield Suzuki line and bringing that piece that that line doesn't have. You know, I, I don't think he quite has the offensive skill to be there, but um, I, I hope we get to see more of him when he's back to health, but we'll see. Um, and, uh, you know, players that someone else picked that they've managed to get their eye on and go after. So and I suspect that's that's my prediction for what's gonna happen with a goalie that it'll be someone else's prospect that they find a way to nab.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It's something they've been looking at. Uh Gregory in the chat mentions uh maybe Dustin Wolf from Calgary. I that's the guy what I know of Calgary, uh they are very high on Dustin Wolf. They
1: are very high on him. It,
0: they it, they have depth there, but they're very high on him for sure.
1: And yeah. uh I think it would take a lot to get him out of it would. Calgary, but
0: you have to give up like another Toffoli and not take a pick or something.
1: Yeah, and and
0: why not? Um, Calgary's Calgary's going to compete this year. They're going to be all
1: in at the deadline again. Hundred percent. And um, and I'd give up a pretty nice piece for Dustin Wolf to be honest, but I don't know if that's where where Hughes is at. But you know that that's the sort of thing that I expect them to be doing. Is looking at um, other teams' prospects. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Know? For sure. All right, I, I do want to We'll finish it off with a little bit more on uh, Cole Caulfield, because how can we not talk about Cole Caulfield? Uh, I took a tiny bit of heat on Twitter during the game after he scored his second goal because I said Cole Caulfield is a player that the Montreal Canadiens and their fans have not seen in generations. And I think people confuse how long generations are. But I will tell you, I'm on the older side of millennials, and I have not seen a player like Cold Caulfield. I know Gen Z Habs fans haven't. And the last time the Canadians had a player in, the, I believe, the top 10 in scoring, or maybe he wasn't even top 10 in scoring, uh, Matt's Nasland was the last 100-point yeah. player for the Montreal Canadiens. That was in, I think, 86, which was the year before. That's I was the calling. 80s. Yeah, that was yeah. in the 80s. And a yep. few people mentioned Stefan Riche. Riche is a good player, but I feel like Riche is very comparable era adjusted to max patch ready. Good shooter, yep, totally. but not what Cole Caulfield is, which is like a top 10 goal scorer in the entire league. In my opinion, I think you're, you're pushing back to like Steve Shutt, Guy Lafleur territory in terms of pure goal sco- goal scoring talent.
1: I think so too. I don't think there's, uh, I, I, yeah, when you say Richey, I see Matchrety, and both had both were really strong players. Um, the thing the thing that's different about Caulfield for me, and I would say this is different about Caulfield and Suzuki, um, and what I I suspect we're going to see in Slavkovsky, uh, and maybe um uh, that is their confidence level and their interest in taking the team on their back. Um, I, I think that's why Slavkovsky was the pick, to be honest, because of his uh, his confidence and and how he will respond to the Montreal environment. But Suzuki Caulfield, that duo in particular in particular, uh, we haven't seen that sort of that sort of likable cocky in a long time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know that they're like that that penalty shot from Suzuki. Um, uh, the, the ballsy shots that, that Caulfield pulls off. Right. And when he scores, it's like, you know, it's like, look at me, look what I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's, and it's likable. It's not, it's not jackass hockey. It's, it's, uh, it's, they know who they are. They know what they can do. And we're going to watch them do it for a decade. That's a, that's a really good thing. Um, Caulfield is going to be at the top of the league in scoring this year. I, I really believe that, and um, and he's going to cost a fortune.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, that's the first thing that came up in the comments section was offer him a matching contract to Suzuki. It'll be an underpay. I don't know if he. I don't know if he would accept it honestly right now. If I'm his agent, I say call me at the end of the season. But it would be maybe my on the short term. Ex- he,
1: he might accept it on short term, but yeah. I, I don't think you're getting a long term
0: contract out of him for that. Yeah, for that I don't price. think any contract that he signs starts with anything lower than an eight. No, I don't think so either. And I think that would be, I think that would, unless
1: unless he falls off a cliff dramatically, I I think that an eight would be
0: team friendly on some level. I totally agree. If they can go <laughs> yeah. eight by eight, I feel like Canian's fans would be very very take happy. that and run. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. an absolute steal, like akin yeah. to the Pacioretti four four point five by six yeah. back in the day. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Pacioretty finished fourth in goals in thirteen fourteen. Yeah, I know Pacioretty was a fantastic goal scorer. Uh, there was yeah. a stretch where he was, I believe, the third best goal scorer in the league over like a five-year stretch. He was fantastic. But the difference between Pacioretty and Caulfield from what I'm talking about, and I think what Laurie is talking about as well, is it's not necessarily about the number of goals. It's the way that the goals are scored Paeretti was a volume shooter he had a great shot don't get me wrong but Paeretti would rip like six shots in a game like constantly and just like pounding 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 till he would get through and it led to the like the trashing of him right it was like oh he doesn't have scoring chances he shoots from too far out well no he didn't he got lots but Caulfield just has this innate ability to find the puck in ways that you shouldn't be able to score from. And still score like he can go invisible for a whole game and kind of have a terrible game and then have one chance and he's going to make it. And he roofs it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He he can score from the blue line. He can score from below the goal line. He in close out, you know, he can score from distance. He's um, he knows who he is. That's the other, the other piece that I would say that's, that's, like uh, he's built for the environment in a way that Patchetti wasn't, uh, yeah. and I, I always found that sad about Patchetti, to be honest, because he he was the best goal scorer in, in Montreal for a long time, and I, I don't know that he was ever appreciated for it as much as no, he, he definitely not. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know the whole perimeter player nonsense and whatever, uh, but um, but he he had a different he had a different persona about him, and and Caulfield is is uh he's a different he's a different makeup um he will try shots that patch wouldn't have entertained um you know just and 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 nail them that's the other thing is and if he misses it he'll take an impossible shot once and miss it and try it again in five minutes if the if the if the, if the opening is there like it's it's just uh, the confidence level is through the roof uh, and the personality is is built for montreal
0: yeah, and I don't want anybody to feel like we're shortchanging Pacioretty either because no. while he was a fantastic goal scorer, at the same time, he was one of the best defensive players in the league. Right? He was like, solid, yeah. He was an, a monster possession driver, never played yeah. with a first-line center, no disrespect to David D'Arnais. <laughs> uh, uh, although, you know, deno was a first-line center, but by that time, Pacioretty was captain, and he was he never should have been captain. I think that's the biggest thing that happened here that just yeah. went wrong, right? and uh, yeah. Other than that, though, like, I feel like Patrick was a fantastic Montreal Canadian and should be remembered with positive attributes, right? And too many people forget about him, but yeah, I I just caught Caulfield's a different breed. He's not a power forward, he's just a pure sniper. Yep, for sure. Watching from yeah. Japan, says William. Thanks for the content. Geez, thank you for watching from Japan. What kind of Japan? Is it in Japan? <laughs> We've had people from uh, New Zealand were in the last one. We have, uh, uh, Darcy, who's always watching from uh, Europe. I forget which country. Forgive me. I think maybe. Belgium. Nice. But uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy how addicted Habs fans are to this team already. Yeah. When like, hey, they're better than the Leafs, but they're not that good. <laughs> it's a low bar.
1: No. And, and like, you know, we're probably on a bit of a high right now. Like, I think this is going to level off. That's my suspicion. Um, For sure. I, you but know, that's... oddly, I think it's going to level off when some of the vets come back. So I think yeah. they're, I think they're, I think they're rolling on pure adrenaline right now and the excitement of, you know, their, their first days in the NHL and stuff. And I think that some of that's going to balance out and that's all right. Um, yeah. And that'll be learning too. But, uh, but they're a lot of fun to watch right now. And
0: yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the poor Leafs, but. I'm sure they'll be fine. They're fun you to see? rag on. Yeah. I think they'll be okay. I think like Austin Matthews, isn't going to shoot like 4% for a whole season. No, he is not. You know, like he, I think his average the last three years was like 18% or something like that. He's probably the best goal scorer we've seen since Ovechkin, maybe like his shot is actually better than Ovechkin's is. He just doesn't have the volume that Ovechkin does. He's fantastic.
1: uh, Like his shooting ability. That's, that's another elite shooter. Um, yeah, he's, he's cold right now. Uh, I heard something about him. Uh, I read something about him wanting to be more physical this year, wanting to change his game and be more physical. I'm like, yeah, why the heck Austin Matthews? Why would you want to change your game? Like, Just scored 60 net. goals, dude. Like, <laughs> you're yeah, not, well, the you are not the issue. You're um, not the issue. Yeah, I think there's going to be change in Toronto. That's my suspicion, and I don't know how soon, but I'm feeling like there's change coming
0: yeah I'll, someone mentioned that uh, i saw on twitter that they have the same record right now as they did after nine games last year so interesting release fans it, yeah who there on was, the edge, no need to jump there,
1: there was a conversation about slow starts for them i, I remember having that conversation
0: maybe <laughs> someone says are yeah. they going for bedard <laughs> no that's vancouver no vancouver god what a mess out there two straight <laughs> wins find, though
1: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say they finally won a couple must yeah. have been that big trade
0: yeah, I mean, hey, I love that trade for them though. I am a big Ethan Bear fan. But that, that, did we, did we talk about wreck at all, or was that before the show?
1: <laughs> I, I don't remember if we talked about. We talked about him immediately after we started chatting,
0: but I don't know if we did it online. But uh, he got a hat trick. Hat trick, like <laughs> wild.
1: We all predicted that.
0: <laughs> and talk about like coming back after clearly being at fault for a goal against yeah. in, at the end of that second period, and coming back with authority in the second period, yeah. not just with one goal, but two right off the bat, right? Just hanging around the net, doing the right thing. So good to yeah. Christian Dvorak, good on Christian Dvorak to, uh, to come out there and then begging the empty net goal. Fantastic. And he smiled. Yeah. There was, there was actually footage of him smiling. So. I mean, everybody seems to be happy right now on this team, which is what yeah, you it's, want. It's, it's a fun time, I think.
1: Uh, and I think, I think that the, um, you know, even that like the, the, the benefit of that, even for a veteran like divorce I can he's still a young player, really, but um, that he, you know, the, the tone is set, right? You can make you can screw up. It doesn't mean your game's over. It doesn't mean you're sitting in the box next week. You know, it's it's uh, you screwed up on, on one goal. Go back out and do something good. And uh, maybe maybe it's maybe it's starting to stick to all of them. We'll see
0: absolutely this is a fun team to watch no matter what way you spin it right? so much fun it's just a total different vibe from last year and we talked about it uh, i don't know if it was the last show or a couple shows ago because everything blends together when you have two young kids <laughs> and you're running seven shows and starting this new job and you're super busy and not sleeping yeah. but between games 40 and 60 the rookies will start to struggle a, a bit and hit walls and oh yeah things. so there will be tough times in this year so enjoy the moment enjoy the fun parts but hopefully this team remains as fun to watch as we saw tonight i mean obviously yeah not it's this high it's... every time but just the level of fun that we've seen so far this season average. Yeah. i think will pull us through this 82 game grind of a schedule but uh thank you Lori, for coming on before we close things out tell everybody where they can find your work
1: well, I write for an East Coast newspaper, Rec House Press. So you can find me there, ReckhousePress.com, and uh, also have my own ha- Habs blog, uh, hab at her.ca, and you can find me on Twitter, uh, Lori Ten Habs.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Lori, and thank everyone from we've got mentions of Taiwan in here, Japan, Europe, Asia, everywhere hopefully we can get some people from uh, all continents throughout the season joining our Habs fan post game show here, but uh, thanks everyone for watching and uh, we'll see you next game. Mark Dumont is going to be on with me to cover the game against ah. the wild. See if there's a revenge game there <laughs> after getting pretty badly outplayed, but uh, we'll see you then. Make sure you smash the like and subscribe subscribe buttons as I spit all over <laughs> my keyboard. See you next time.